I'm so glad that you're here today. You are the most blessed of the three services. You got that extra hour sleep, and you automatically get more sleep because you're the 12 o'clock service. But I am really glad to see each and every one of you here today. And a shout out welcome to those that have joined us online from our church family and guests that have joined us online from across our city and across the nation of Canada and even from around the world. How many people are ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word? You ready? Yeah. Well, we're going to start a brand new four-part November sermon series that we're going to call it Unshakable. And we're going to explore an unexplored New Testament book, 85. And I keep files of sermons. And I thought, I'm just wondering any sermon I preached on this. And I pulled out this little thin file. I turned it upside down. And one sermon fell out. And it goes back like 25, 30 years ago. It's been a long time. But I felt God just draw me to this great book. So if you brought your Bible this morning, turn with me, please, to 2 Thessalonians. And this is the introductory message. We're going to focus on verse 1 down to verse 12 of 2 Thessalonians. And then we're going to celebrate communion together. In verse number 1, it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Paul wrote this letter. He actually wrote it, but he had some companions in the ministry, Silas and Timothy, who labored with them. And he says to the church of the Thessalonians... Thessalonica was the capital in Macedonia. And there's a group of brand new believers there that were growing in their faith. Paul writes in this letter, In God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace were often the common greeting that Paul would give to the churches he wrote to. Now here's the deal. First Thessalonians, get ready for this, was written only a few months before Second Thessalonians. So Paul sends his first letter and there's lots of chaos amongst the believers. They, they were in chaos, and he had, to, he had to bring clarity to their chaos. He had to bring calmness to their concerns. And because there were some of them in the church who actually thought that they were now in the tribulation, and, and Paul had to clear that up. And some of them were selling their homes and quitting their jobs and waiting for the rapture, and he had to, he had to deal with that. And there's people that were so concerned about end-time events, so Paul under inspiration of Holy Spirit, writes this second letter. I want to break it into three parts. Number one, I want to talk to you about verse three and verse four. And I want to give you three habits of a healthers in Thessalonica. And I believe three things that God wants by his spirit to continue to develop in our church family. Number one, everybody say number one, one, two, three. Number one, a faith that is growing. Number one, a genuine faith that is growing. Paul said in verse 3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And these new believers' faith was growing more and more. Now, it's interesting. What's been translated more and more comes from a Greek word that means explosive. It means fast. It means, it means very, very quickly, very rapidly. And so the believers in Thessalonica were exploding in their spiritual growth. They were growing in their faith so quickly. And I believe God is saying to this church, could we have that same explosive growth in our spiritual journey? I want to make a statement that we at Woodville do not want to just be a decision-making church. We actually want to be a disciple-making church. 
We want people to make a decision for Jesus, but then we want them to grow in their discipleship journey. And I just want to challenge you to get on the growth track spiritually at Woodvale. You're here on site or you're watching online and you're still checking out Christianity. We want to invite you to sign up for Alpha Wednesday nights, a great team of people. It will answer your questions. But if you're brand new in your Christian faith, your next step is our follow class. There's an amazing couple in our church that lead this, and there's room for you on Wednesday nights just to walk through about 10 teachings to help ground you in your faith journey. And then after that, to get into a connect group. We've got over 70 connect groups in this church. Many of them are intergenerational all across the city, over the river in Quebec, and in the outskirts of Ottawa, people doing life together, studying God's word together. Connect groups are for you. Or perhaps you're, you're walking through some challenges. We've got life groups. Some of you are like, I- I've just recently lost a loved one. We have grief share. Some of you, you've just recently walked through a divorce. We have divorce care. Check out our, our life groups. There's so many specialty life groups to help you. And then you saw in the announcement clip about marriage mentoring. We've been raising up a whole pile of couples in our church that are seasoned in their marriage to come alongside you, to help you in your marriage journey. Don't wait till your marriage is a disaster. Get help now. Let a seasoned couple come alongside you and help you in your journey. And then if this is your church home, we believe God doesn't want the church to be an audience. He wants them to be an army. You're saved to serve. Take the step and go to Serve 101. In fact, there's a Serve 101 class This week, you can sign up for it. It happens every month, and it's to help you discover your place of serving and then deploy you into that place of serving. Pastor Matt, I was with him before the first morning service, and we're in the lobby meeting with the hospitality team, and he made this statement. We have 61 people serving today in our hospitality teams for the three morning service. I think we need to pause and honor that. We think that's absolutely amazing. And there's people that come here every Sunday and serve on the worship team, in the children's ministry, in the hospitality teams, and throughout the week. There's some place for you to serve. And we'd encourage you, if this is your church, get on the growth journey. Is that the, is that the Thessalonian church, their faith was growing. It was, it, was, it was exploding with growth. They weren't just making a decision for Jesus. They were rapidly growing in their faith. But then there's number two, a love that is increasing. Not just a faith that was growing growing. Paul said about the Thessalonian church, your love is increasing. Look at verse 3, the latter part, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. There's a lot of Greek words that Paul could have used for love. There's, there's a Greek word, philios, and it means a brotherly, friendly love. There's another Greek word, eros, which is kind of like that erotic, sensual kind of love. But he uses a Greek word, agape, which is an unconditional love. That's a love that that stays with you at all times. It's a love that walks into your life when everyone else walks out. It's a love that says no matter what you do and no matter what you're going through, I'm with you in the journey. I don't know about you, church. I don't want to be, I don't want Woodville to be a museum for the perfect. I want Woodville to be a, a hospital for the hurting. I want Woodville to be characterized by an unconditional love of God. And so Paul said about the Thessalonian church, you've you got a love for one another. And he said, 
said, he said, it's, it's increasing. Now, the Greek word that's been translating increasing, the only way I can illustrate it is picture a river flowing with its banks on the side. But the Greek word increasing is speaking not just about a river that's flowing with banks on the side. It's speaking of a river that's flowing with the water flowing over the banks. I was raised in southwestern Ontario in a city called Cambridge in the early 1970s, the Grand River that went through downtown core, it flooded and the water just flowed into the downtown core. And Paul picks up a Greek word that means your love is flowing over the banks. It's a love that knows no limits. It's a love that has no boundaries. And if we're honest, we sometimes put boundaries to our love. I'll love you on Sunday morning for one hour, 12 to one, but don't bother me any other time. Oh, I'll give you a little time in my connect group, but don't, don't, no, a love that knows no limits and has no boundaries says, I will love you unconditionally, even if it's three in the morning and you're going through a crisis, I'm going to come alongside you and pray for you. Even if you text me during the supper hour because you're in a crisis, I'm going to stop my meal and I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to pray for you because you need me in that moment. I don't know about you, church, but that's the kind of church I want to be a part of where we're a church where our love is flowing over the banks of the river where we're come on with are you with me today we're a church that has a love that is increasing it's flowing over and it knows no limits and it knows no boundaries but then there's number three he talks about a perseverance that is enduring a perseverance that is enduring look at verse four therefore among god's churches we boast about your perseverance and your faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Everywhere that Paul went, he'd brag about the believers in Thessalonica. He'd go to Ephesus and he'd brag about the, the believers in Thessalonica. He, he'd go somewhere else in that, in, the, in, in, in that area and he'd brag about the believers in Thessalonica, about their perseverance. And perseverance is your stick to where you don't give up. When, the, when trouble comes your way, you don't give up. And I'll tell you, church, when trouble comes our way, if our faith isn't deep, people will bail on God. And we're in a unique season. And I believe God is saying to the church, let your faith be deep. Don't bail on God. Stay strong in Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look to him. He will help you. Presses on and then endurance speaks of, of your holding up. Instead of falling apart, you're holding up. How many people know God is the glue that can keep us together when life is falling apart? How many people know that our faith can still hold and it can be unshakable that when life gets rough, we're going to turn our eyes to Jesus and we're going to look to him because he's going to hold us to, is there a witness in the house today? Jesus can hold us together. Come on, is there a witness in the house today? Jesus can hold us together when life gets tough. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes we North Americans, we think we understand persecution. Well, they called me a Jesus freak, and it really hurt me, Pastor. Build a bridge and get over it. Some people go, oh, it's persecution. They, they laugh at me for going to church. We, we don't really as North Americans fully know what persecution is. I don't know if you know this, but today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. 
I don't know if you know this, but believers all around the world are pausing in their service to pray for the persecuted church. You could Google Open Doors Ministry. This is where I got these stats. But I don't know if you know this. It's a daily reality today for more than 340 million Christians worldwide. 340 million Christians worldwide. 340 million. One out of eight believers in the world have high-level persecution. It's the next stat that wrecked me when I read it. Last year to this year, that stat went up by 80 million people. Did you get that last year? Last year, there was 260 million believers around the world greatly persecuted for their faith. But this year, there's 340 million believers persecuted for their faith and tortured, and it might even mean that they are martyred, killed for their faith in Jesus. Now, now I don't know if you know this, but in countries where the persecution is the greatest, it seems that God is doing the most. I'll tell you why. In the early church in Acts, the more persecution there was, the more the church began to grow. I'll tell you why. It's Jesus' church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. Come on, Woodville. He will build it. He will preserve it. He will protect it. He will cause it to grow. In China, where there is persecution, and in many places in China, the church has gone underground, but they are in revival as people are being saved by the hundreds of thousands because of a mighty move of God. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the country in the world, for the last 20 years, there's a country in the world that's been on the top of the highest amount of persecution of any other country in the world, and it's been that way for the last 20 years. It's North Korea. And there's people in our church from North Korea. The second country of the highest persecution is Afghanistan. Then it goes to Somalia and Libya and Yemen and Iran and Nigeria and India and Iraq and Syria and Sudan. And the list goes down. We're in a church of over 85 nationalities. And some of you in this third morning service, you're going, "Uh uh-uh, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. Where I come from, that there were would be shut where I come from people would be kidnapped where I come from people would be beaten and bruised and imprisoned where I come from they might even be killed for their faith and they say pastor Canada needs to be grateful that today that doesn't happen we think there's persecution when we got to wear a mask to church on a Sunday morning we think there's persecution when we got to sit two rows apart I'm telling you church I'm glad that we can gather this morning I'm glad that we've had some great crowds showing on a Sunday morning I'm glad Come on, Wivel. I'm glad that we could show up to lift up the name of Jesus. When there's been churches that said, we're not going to gather because we can't sing, all of a sudden they've concluded the only way we can worship is by singing. Well, I'm telling you, church, there's more to worship than singing. And I'm glad that first Sunday, Pastor Brad, when the doors were open up again and we gathered on a Sunday morning and there was only worship on the screen and we couldn't lift our voice and sing, I'll tell you what there was on that Sunday morning. There was a lot of weeping in the house. There was a lot of crying in the house because there's nothing like the of God when God's people get together to lift up his name. Come on, Woodville. Put your hands together and celebrate the name of Jesus. A friend of mine, Eliad Bansif, is a Pentecostal minister, a missionary. He's in Siberia, Russia. Do you know in Siberia in the winter it gets like a minus a billion degrees? 
I know I'm exaggerating it. It gets really cold. Siberia, we're going to send you to Siberia. Remember hearing that as a kid? I don't want to go to Siberia. And God is on the move in Siberia, and persecution is huge. And he told me the corruption is so great that they went through a season where the government shut the doors of their church and said, you you, you can't go in there and worship. It's like minus 40 degrees. He said, okay, we're going to have church outdoors. Now, I wonder in Canada, if we had church when it's minus 40, how many would show up? In Siberia, the whole church showed up, and they worshiped outdoors, and they gave God the glory. I think it's time that we as a church lift up our eyes to Jesus, and we bathe in prayer the persecuted church. So I think we need to pause right now in this service, and I think we need to pray for the persecuted church around the world, 340 million hands toward the heavens. Could we do this, church? Could we intercede with believers in churches around the world? Father God, we pray for the persecuted church. We pray for North Korea. We pray, Jesus, you will be made famous in North Korea. We pray for the believers in North Korea and Afghanistan and Nigeria and Yemen and many other countries that are experiencing high-level persecution. Lift their arms. May they not grow weary in well-doing. May they stand strong for you. May they not bail on their faith. I pray protection over them in the name of Jesus. I pray that they would not be silent. I pray that no one would silence the gospel in North Korea. I pray no one would silence the gospel in Nigeria. I pray no one would silence the gospel in Yemen. I pray no one would silence the gospel in Libya. We pray for revival in these countries. We pray covering over these believers. We pray that the fire of the living God would move in these countries. So God, we are calling out to you and we are praying for a mighty sovereign move of God. And we pray it now in the name of Jesus. Nobody whispered, everybody shouted, amen. Come on, put your hands together again and celebrate. Celebrate our God. Celebrate our God. Celebrate our God. Take a seat in God's presence. I want to take you to number two. I want to just offer you very quickly two future focuses to help you and to help me no matter what happens in the present, no matter what life throws your way. What two focuses do we need to have? Number one, the reward and the rest for believers. This world's not our home. Someday we're going to spend eternity in heaven. One of our seniors, Doug Coots, passed away this week. My heart breaks for his wife, Shirley. I can remember Doug coming in on Sunday mornings and he'd give me a hug and he'd squeeze me so tight. He was a big man. He'd squeeze the living daylights out of me. But I still love seeing Doug. I was able to be in the hospital to pray with him this week just before he stepped into eternity. But an hour later, he passed away. But I know this. There's not disease in his body now. There's not sickness in his body. He's with Jesus. He's got his eternal rest. He's got his eternal reward. And we give God glory. Some of you knew Doug, and you're wondering, is there a service to honor his life? The answer is yes. Not this Monday, not tomorrow. Next Monday, a week tomorrow, 11 o'clock here in the main auditorium. Visitation at 10.15 here, service at 11. We welcome you to come and support Shirley. 
But I want to read to you verse 5, verse 7, verse 10 very quickly. Verse 5, all this is evidence. What, what's referred to? He's talking about the faith that is growing, the love that's increasing, the perseverance that's enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment. You will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Suffering doesn't make you a believer, but because you are a believer, you might have to walk through suffering. In verse 7, and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. And the Greek word for relief is like a, like a string on a bow that's really tense. And they take it off the bow and the tension lifts. And then that's where you get the word relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. Jump down to verse 10. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believe our testament to you. He's talking about our reward and our rest in heaven. This world's not our home. It might be tough and it might be rough, but we're only here for a limited time, but we're in eternity in heaven. Anybody looking forward, I am, anybody looking forward to an eternity in heaven. Come on, anybody looking forward to an eternity in heaven. It's our reward. It's our rest. But then there's number two, the retribution for unbelievers. You see, many people like to talk about heaven, but I want to talk to you for a few moments about hell, about hell. I had people say to me, Mark, wouldn't it be cool if everybody got a quick little vision of heaven and God took them to heaven for 20 seconds? Yeah, that'd be cool. But you know what I think would be better? If everybody got 20 seconds in hell. I think it would shake us. I think it would grip us so much. I think it would change our outlook. I think it would increase our passion for the lost. I think it would move us to to care in in a greater way for our neighbors, our city, our nation, and our world. Now, let me read verse 6 and part of verse 7 down to verse 9. Verse 6, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who have troubled you. Look at verse 7. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed. Underline the word revealed. It's the Greek word apocalypse. You've heard the word, haven't you? Apocalypse means an unveiling. It's like a curtain is pulled back and you begin to see what has been prepared and he says this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed the apocalypse from heaven in blazing fire anytime you read the words blazing fire it's speaking of judgment you see friends he's coming back for his church but then he's coming back in judgment he's coming back in judgment blazing fire with his powerful angels verse 8 he will punish those who do not know God underline the word no it's a unique Greek word it's not no in a casual way It's not no in a surface way. It's no in an intimate way. 80% of Canadians would say they believe in Jesus, but they know about Jesus. They know about God, but they don't have a personal relationship with God. There's many in this church that have come from mainline denominations, and they were raised in a mainline denomination. But one day, the light went on, and they realized that Christianity is not what they thought. Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus. Anybody glad today Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And it's Paul said, he will punish those who don't really know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Underline the word obey. It's a unique Greek word. And the analogy is someone knocking on a door. In Revelations 3 verse 20, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my heart. But someday the knocking is going to stop. 
And so Paul says he's going to punish those who don't know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. God has been knocking. Verse 9, this, this grips me. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. Not, not just for a moment, but for eternity of destruction. And worst of all, shut out from the presence of the Lord. There's a play on words. Obey speaks of knocking. Shut out means that the door is slammed shut and the knocking stops. My friends, if people do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, when he comes back, they're going to spend not eternity in heaven, but an eternity in hell. They're going to spend eternity shut out from the presence of God. The knocking stops. Can you imagine being banished from the very presence of God into a place of eternal judgment where people, we can debate what hell will be like, but we can't debate the reality of hell. Some of you are asking me, Mark, is it really a lake of fire or is that symbolic? I'm not here to debate that today, but I'll tell you, what's the worst punishment to be banished for eternity from the presence of God? I don't know about you, but this shakes me because God hasn't called Woodvale to be an audience. He's called us to be an army. He's not called us to show up to worship in a few songs and give an offering and hear a little homily. He's called us to get up and get out and share the love of Jesus with the city of Ottawa, with the nation of Canada. Let those who know tell those who don't if these are the last of the last of the last days. And I'm not a prophet, but Jesus could come back at any moment. It's calling me and it's calling you to do all we can to win people for Jesus Christ. Is there a witness in the house today? We got to do all we can to win people for Jesus Christ. So these two focuses is heaven is real, hell is real. We've got a rest and a reward, but there's a retribution. And it gives me a fresh passion for the neighbors on my street and for the people in the city of Ottawa and for the nation of Canada and for the world. Oh, thank you, Lord, for a church that loves to reach out. Woodville, can we keep reaching out? May we never become just a social club to gather on a Sunday morning. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, this place is all about Jesus. We don't lift up your pastor. We don't lift up the worship pastor. We don't lift up anyone or anything other than the name of Jesus. It's all about, come on, is there a witness in the place today? It's all, it's all, the hope for Canada is Jesus. Come on, put your hands together again and give a loud clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Amen. Amen. I want to wrap up this message with number three, three powerful prayers. For verse 11 and verse 12, the first prayer is for your dedication. Look at verse 11. Paul said with this in mind, what in mind? The reward, the rest, the retribution. Heaven and hell. He said, we constantly pray for you. Who's we? Paul, Silas, and Timothy. That our God may make you worthy of his calling. I'll tell you what I've been praying for Woodvale is that we would stand strong. We wouldn't bail on God. The stats are saying that because of COVID, 30% of your church will never come back. I like to know where they get that stat from. I'm praying that this percent more than we had before coming out. I'm praying that this church would step into a season. I rebuke that stat in Jesus' name. 
I pray that God would stir our hearts. This is great. There's nothing like coming together in the presence of God. How many people are glad that you came today just to gather with your church family and lift up the name of Jesus Christ? Come on, Woodville. How many people are glad that you came today to lift up the name of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you what Paul was praying when it talks about dedication, that the Thessalonian believers would be sold out for Jesus. I pray you would be sold out for Jesus. There's no turning back. There's no giving up. There's no bailing on Jesus. There's no bailing on your church. There's no bailing on your faith. In fact, because of COVID, we're going to be more on fire for Jesus than we've ever been before. Is there a little witness in the house? It was a prayer for dedication. And then number two, for your deeds. It's a faith that went to action, hands, arms, legs, feet, and that by his power, everybody say power, come on, power, come on, let's say it again, one, two, three, power, God's power on you, in you, and through you, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. I pray that God would call this church to step up and step out and do all we can to reach people for Jesus Christ, for your deeds, but then lastly, number three, for your demeanor. He says in verse 12, we pray, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we would make Jesus famous in Ottawa, amen. I pray that when you get up tomorrow and you go to work or you're at home and you go online with your colleagues and you have another God help us, Zoom call. Pew after an hour's service, but wherever we go, Jesus would go because the Jesus who's in us would radiate through us and people would see that there's a difference because of Jesus. Because one encounter with Jesus can change your life forever. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Come on, Woodville, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. So I submit to you today that God is calling us to have a faith that is growing, a love that is increasing, a perseverance that is enduring, that our focus would be on Jesus. And we would look to him and we'd cling to him and we'd hold fast. But we would be sold out, people of action, people radiating Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Worship band and team, would you come? Church, would you stand? Father God, I pray before we have communion, I'm asking Jesus that these words would soak in our spirit. I'm asking God that the word would not just be information, but there would be an incarnation that would lead to a transformation. That God, that the word this morning would be so in us that it would shake us. I pray, God, that we would have a love that knows no limits, no boundaries. I pray that we'd have a faith that keeps on growing. And we would have, God, a perseverance that would always be enduring. And I pray that we would turn our eyes to you and look to you no matter what. I give you glory. I give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Just before we go any further, can I ask that every head would be bowed, everyone's eyes should be closed. Whether you're here on site or you're watching online, if today was the day that Jesus came back, or if today was the day that you step into eternity, there's no guarantee for the rest of the day. Do you know 
beyond any shadow of doubt that you're going to heaven. I say it so often, but I mean it. I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. I want you to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're ready for heaven. Young man, young woman, mom, dad, adult, single adult, grandma, grandpa, online, on site. If you can't answer yes to that question, we're pausing right now. Because I'd have no greater joy than leading you to Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just going to count to three. And after I count to three, if you're standing here on site, you're like, I, I'm not ready. But I want to be ready. I want to be led in a prayer to invite Jesus to be number one in my life, to be my Lord, my Savior. I, I want to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand after I count to three. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. One, two, three. If that's you, you just lift your hand as high as you can. By lifting your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor, I want Jesus in my life. God bless you, friends. Hands are going up. God bless you. You can put them down. If you lifted your hand, I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and we're going to join you. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, let's pray that again. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I confess you today as my Savior and my Lord. I make my peace with you. I receive you in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes. Somebody say amen. There's people who gave their heart to Jesus today. Amen. And if that's you, you made the best decision of your life in just a couple of moments when the service closes on your way out. Exit tables are there. We got a Bible for you. It's free. A booklet for you. It's free. Get into the follow class. Let us help you on this growth for Jesus. And, and, and if you've accepted Jesus, take the next step. Get baptized in water. And we just celebrate what God's done in your life. If you're watching online, reach out to us. We'll reach back to you. If you live somewhere across the nation of Canada or around the world, we're going to help you find a Bible-believing church in your neighborhood. We'll take the cup that you received. You got it ready? I want you to peel back the first layer, and I want you to pull out the little wafer. It, it represents the body of Jesus. How many people are glad Jesus went to a cross for you, for me? Amen? He paid a debt. He didn't owe we owe a debt we can never pay, but Jesus took our place. Amen. Just hold it up in the air if you would. Father God, we thank you that you gave your life for us. May we never forget. And may this emblem of this wafer be a representation and a reminder that you paid it all by giving your life for us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the wafer. You can just peel back the next layer. Pull it back maybe about a quarter of the way. Should be fine. The cup contains some grape juice. And it represents the blood of Jesus. Blood represents life. I'm glad my Jesus gave his life. Can we partake together of the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus? You can put that cup down. Here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to take a seat. Everyone take a seat. I can't wait for the day that we can actually open this altar. And it's coming soon. But until then, 
we need to do things a little different, but you're seated here right now, and you're walking through something, and you need a miracle. You need Jesus to do a miracle in your life, healing, maybe a financial miracle, maybe a relational miracle, maybe you're walking through dark valley. You, you just, I need Jesus to do something in my life today. I don't know what it is, but we're going to pray for you. And if that's you, I want you right now to stand to your feet because we're going to pray for you. You're walking through something. You need a miracle from God. Come on, as people start standing, others are going to join you. You're walking through something and you need a miracle. We're family, church, and we're going to pray for you today that Jesus will be your healer. Healer, Jesus would set you free. Jesus would bring breakthrough. Nothing is impossible with God. So I want you, if you see someone that's near you, just reach your hands towards them. Don't place your hand on them, but extend your hand towards them. You're watching online, we're praying for you. And if you're standing, we're believing God for your miracle. So God, I pray you would be the miracle-working God today. We pray healing in bodies in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would set people free from worry, anxiety. We pray miracle in marriages. We pray, we pray God, that there would be breakthrough in finances. We pray in the name of the Lord that whatever the burden, whatever the need is, that this house would be a house of miracles. So God, we pray right now by faith that you would do something sovereign in the hearts of each one and we give you the glory we give you the honor in Jesus name nobody whispered everybody shouted amen amen come on everybody let's get on our feet together everybody stay standing but everybody let's stand together and pastor in our final moments I want to invite the church on site and online to lift their hands and lift their voice let's let's put all the focus on Jesus let's worship together turn your eyes upon on Jesus. Let's give a shout of praise to our God today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's so exciting to see what God is doing. And we're seeing more and more and more and more and more people returning back on site. And it's exciting. And we give God the glory. I'm so glad you came today. Evelyn and I honestly love each and every one of you so much. We pray for you. We pray health in your body, peace on your mind, and overflowing joy in your spirit. And we love doing life with you. God is up to something big, amen? Can we just give a a shout out to all of our first-time guests? Come on, let's let all of our first-time guests know we're so glad that you came. 
And if you're a first-time guest, on your way out at an exit table, we got a coffee card for you. It's our way of saying thank you for joining us today. And uh, if you'd like personal prayer, it's always available. You can come and stand at the front after people leave, and someone on the prayer team will come and pray for you. Offering buckets in the back, debit machines in the lobby if you're here to give on site. And thank you, church, for your faithful giving. On our website shows you all the many other options of giving. May God give you a great day and an amazing week. Let's be unshakable for Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you.